you're listening to a Trav Market Media Network podcast. This is a pretty good choice if you ask me. Find more podcasts at travmarketmedia.com. Hi, it's Megan, host of Travel Radio Podcast, a proud member of the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Would you take a moment now to like, subscribe, and review the podcast? You can also reach me at info at travelradiopodcast.com, or you could reach the network at travmarketmedia.com. Travel professional or aspiring professional traveler, I'm so thankful you tuned in. Now, let's dig into where our ears will travel today. Hello, and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am privileged to welcome back to the program, Teresa Chu Bermudez. Teresa, for people that did not hear your last podcast, would you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels. I specialize in custom trips, and many of my favorite destinations are in Europe and Asia. Um, I'm also the creator of Fam with Intention, which is a course that teaches travel advisors how to improve the way they market their fam trips on social media. Cool. All right. So then, and and let's not forget, you are the host of a well-received podcast on oh, the yes. Travel Market Media Network. That? So tell us. <laughs> Uh, I'm a co-host of a podcast called The Tin Lounge, and Tin stands for Travel Industry News, and I co-host it with my friend and colleague, Corrine, and we basically run down the latest travel headlines um, for travel advisors, and we do it in a fun and conversational way, even though sometimes the news isn't as fun, and we try to be optimistic and hopeful and just, you know, give you the news mm. from a, an authentic standpoint. Sure. And I, I mean, and the way they end it is perfect. It's like, Hey, we don't create the news. We just read it out. So don't be angry at us. We're just, we're yeah, trying to give exactly. it. Exactly. I was just afraid that people were going to give us like one or two star reviews because they didn't like what we were saying. And so that's why I put that in there. I'm just like, listen, this is the news. Like I, we didn't make this happen. It's just here. And you have the best uh, intro and outro music. Where did you get that? It's amazing. Um, it was on a platform called Premium Beats, I think. Yeah. Um, we probably, li- we had 10 maybe on our list and we just narrowed it down to, um, the one that we have now. We really love it. I love it. My son loves it. He says, I like that song, mom. And he says, play it again. <laughs> so, and he has got some moves. So. <laughs> You should get that on video oh. and maybe like share it on one of our, well, um, I tried to get it and send it to you yeah. and he was, and then he was embarrassed, but <laughs> I'll so see if I can though. get it. <laughs> He's five and they call in, in England, they call it the tutita, which is a dance that involves a lot of hip movement. Oh so <laughs> of course it's called the tutita. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> uh, so where can people find you online? They can find me on Facebook and Instagram. The handle is at Get Out Custom Travels and also on my website at getoutcustomtravels.com. Cool. So then uh, let's talk about where we're going today, which is someplace that I don't know anything about. So where are we going? Uh, it's a place that I am so in love with. We are going to Japan. Cool. Okay. So I don't even know where to start with Japan. I have never been to Asia. So please talk to me like a child and that I need everything explained because Largely, both of both of those things are true. So, if you had a client say, uh, "Where, what do you even do in Japan? What would you, what would your highlight reel look like?" So, Japan as a country is, in my opinion, a country full of dichotomies and opposites. Because, on one hand, 
you have like the quiet temples, gardens and, you know, culture. And on the other hand, you have like Pokemon and like really quirky cafes. (laughs) And I think that some people love it so much is because you never run out of things to do. And um, there's something for everyone. So usually for first timers, um, you know, I definitely recommend like at minimum, 10 days in Japan at mm. minimum. Like it's the sweet spot for Americans. It's typically two weeks because that's right. really all people can get away at one time because of work. Sure. But if you can do two weeks there, that would be, that would be prime. Mm. Um, but for first timers in Japan, I typically take them on a route that has them experience both the city, um, nature and cultural stuff. So they'll usually start in Tokyo and I try to do like a Tokyo round trip. That okay. takes them to Hakone, which is one of the natural, uh, the national park areas where you can get a really great view of Mount Fuji if the weather's right. Okay. Um, then we'll move on to Kyoto, which is like the cultural center of, you know, that part of Japan, like South Japan. And Kyoto used to be the capital of Japan before they moved it over to Tokyo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So if you look at the, the names itself, Kyoto is like Tokyo, but Uh, it's moved over. I think one means like East or something like that. Um, I should have listened better to my guide when I was there. (laughs) And then, you know, we'll head down over to Osaka, which in my opinion is like, I call it the rebellious sibling of Tokyo because it's still Japan, of course, but it just feels like the rules are a little more lax. And um, the food there is just amazing. It is so, so good. And when I was there, I was like, I wish I had more time there. I wish I had a bigger stomach. (laughs) I could eat more food. Um, But then we go back to um, Tokyo from Osaka. And sometimes when you're in Osaka, if you have more time, I'll recommend day trips to Hiroshima or Miyajima Island, which are beautiful, beautiful places full of history. Um, So that's typically for first timers. Um, Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. And, you know, a lot of folks, they come to me for Japan simply because like, like you, they've never been to Japan. Um, they may have seen it in the media or, you know, seen pictures here and there and they want to go, but they're just like, it's so different and I don't know how to get there. So yeah. they call me the professional to try and help them out, see what they want and put something amazing together for them. All right. Well, that's why you're here today. So let's, let's do just that. Now you plan <laughs> travel for a lot of millennials and why is Japan the destination for millennials right now? In my humble opinion, I don't want to put any generation into any pockets, but if we're going to generalize being a right, millennial, let's generalize. Myself, yeah. I'm going to generalize <laughs> being a millennial myself. I think, I see in my peers the love of going out of their comfort zone when they're mm-hmm. traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, they love trying new food. They love seeing new cultures. And I feel like they tend to be more open-minded when it comes to new things. And they enjoy being immersed in a destination. Um, you know, some millennials, they grew up watching anime. I mean, my generation, we grew up with like Pokemon stuff and some people are still mm-hmm. playing Pokemon Go. Um, are you still playing Go. Pokemon Go? <laughs> you know, when I went to Japan, <laughs> that was when I turned my Pokemon Go app back on because it's still a thing there. Yeah. 
people are still playing and um, they're meeting up, they're trading Pokemon. I had a client go there and she is like the head organizer of some Pokemon group in Orlando and they oh play Pokemon goodness. Go together. So she went to Japan and she had to hit all the, the Pokemon centers and she traded, you know, the regional Pokemon with people in Japan. So oh gosh, it's still so thing. wild. I know. And it, it's just so cool to me that that happens. Um, I'm going to tell my neighbor kid, he's going to blow his mind. He was telling me there was like, I don't know, a a Pokemon burst or something. So he was running down to the park to try to collect Pokemons or something. And I was like, I do not know what you're doing, but I'm glad that you're running. So go. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while since I played. So, I mean, I don't remember all the terms and stuff, but I turned it back on because I wanted to catch regional Pokemon. And so then after I came back from Japan, I just took it off my phone again. So whenever I travel, I'll turn it back on just to see what I can get. But I'm not a huge, like... Pokemon player right now. Mm. Okay, sorry um, to about- distract us. Keep going. <laughs> yes. It's okay. um, the thing about Japan too is that for people who like bragging to their friends and family, like Japan offers a lot of opportunities to do really cool things mm. that are so photo worthy. So like you can go home and say like, hey, I got to do this thing, and that's so out of the ordinary from what they do at home. Yeah, that's cool. So then, if you think about your favorite memory, can you? <laughs> if you think about your favorite memory from traveling in Japan, what comes to mind? I have two, um, two favorite memories, and the first one is I ran into the Norman Reedus at Shibuya Crossing, and I, I have no idea what any of those words mean. <laughs> Norman Reedus, he's like a famous actor. He's in like The Walking Dead and um, The Boondock Saints. Oh, um, yeah. I love all, I love The Boondock Saints. <laughs> yeah. So um, he was one of the actors, like one of the guys. So I saw him at Shibuya Crossing, which is like the biggest pedestrian crossing in the world. Like You've probably seen pictures mm. of it where it's like crisscross, like yes. um, crosswalks and just like tons of people cross every day. Mm. So... I remember just like walking to the, um, well, funny story. I was walking there at that time because my husband decided to wander off and get himself lost. <laughs> so I was sitting outside of a store where me and my family were shopping for like 20, 30 minutes being so upset that he just walked off trying to look for like a toy store or something and didn't pay attention to where he was and got lost. Ah. Uh. So I was oh, like, no. I, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to go back to the hotel. And, you know, we had very little, like, texting signal. So he just texted back, like, I'll meet you back at the hotel. So I'm like, fine. So I'm, like, huffing and puffing <laughs> while I'm walking. I'm so mad. My travel people next to me were afraid to talk to me. <laughs> so I was looking at my phone, um, looking at the maps on how to get to the um, – the station and I look up and I make eye contact with Norman Reedus and I'm like <laughs> oh my god like, like you, you don't prepare yourself for a moment like that did so, you say oh my god um, you know Reedus <laughs> well, like, I, I walked past him and I was just like uh, 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 I love you in the walking dead like something stupid like that and I couldn't remember his actual name in the moment I only remembered his character's name on the walking dead so, so funny. I would do then that. He's like, then he's like, thank you. And then I'm like, wait. And he turns around. I got a selfie with him. And it was <laughs> like a really, really fun time. 
<laughs> but that was like the the memory like for me and you know i immediately di- like my anger dissipated right um <laughs> so i got back to the hotel and my husband came back in and he was like so scared that i was going to be so angry at him and he was shocked that i was like i was so worried about you and i, I cuz i didn't tell him oh. and he didn't know until he went onto facebook and saw the photo <laughs> that i had posted <laughs> That's great. That's so, so funny. That's I mean, a that's good memory. my first one. I mean, it's a great memory, but if you want like a Japan related yeah. memory, um, I don't know if you know this, probably not, but Japan is known for their incredible vending machines. Oh, yeah. I have heard this actually. I've, um, sorry, keep going. I have no good story for that, but I do know this, but keep telling me about what you bought out of a vending machine. I mean, they, they are everywhere and you can buy cold drinks and you can buy hot drinks. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are hot drinks in there and it's like coffee and cans. And then they have like a heater in there. So when you buy like a hot coffee, it comes out hot. Oh. And I was, when we were there, every vending machine we saw, we just had to buy a drink. <laughs> and so in Japan, one of the most popular things, at least for me to book for my clients, is something called the Ryokan, which is a traditional inn. So okay. it has um, the traditional inn feel where you sleep on, you know, um, beds that are on the ground. There are tatami mats everywhere. And it's basically like a resort okay. um, of an experience. And the the type of rooms that I book for my clients have a private onsen in the back. And an onsen is like, like a hot bath that is hot spring fed. Oh, wow. So um, yeah, it it was incredible. So, I mean, there are public onsens as well, but typically for clients coming in from the States, I do a private one. And so it's on their balcony and they can look out at the view and Mm. depending on where you are, the view is obviously different. Um, So, I remember like in Hakone, which is typically where I book the Ryokans, um, it's up in a higher elevation. So when I went to Japan, it was in the spring. So it was still really chilly. Yep. So after a full day of sightseeing in Hakone and it was kind of drizzling part of the day, I returned back to um, the Ryokan to like clean up before dinner. Um, and I was like, I am so cold, so tired. I just want to soak oh, yeah. in the onsen for a little bit. And I walked past the vending machine and they had beer in the vending machine. <laughs> so I bought myself a can of Asahi beer and I went out to the balcony. Um, they have a shower. You have to shower before you go into the onsen because sure. in Japan, they're just like really clean. Um, so I don't know if you've ever had a shower beer before, but I can tell you right now that an onsen beer is a whole lot better. So there I am. I have like an icy cold Asahi sitting in like a really hot onsen and I'm looking out at this beautiful Japanese garden. I mean, that in my mind like solidifies one of, I think one of the best experiences that I've had. It was something so simple. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. I, hey, I'm, yeah, hot water and a cold drink. That does sound amazing, no matter yeah. where you are. But, <laughs> but I do really enjoy the idea of a Japanese garden. I enjoy gardens. So that sounds special. Oh, yeah, you would love Japan, Megan. Mm-hmm. Like the gardens there are just impeccable and they're so beautiful. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, in, in England, the, the, you know, the British garden or whatever, they're, they're everywhere and they are incredible, but that could be anything from a well manicured, you know, palatial type experience mm-hmm. to like 
they do something called rewilding. And so they intentionally plant things that are native to the area to encourage mm-hmm. wildlife, which is bugs, blah, blah, blah. And so in my, as my aunt would say, the Scots have never seen a weed because <laughs> so, <laughs> cause that thistle was meant to grow there. So yeah, so it's interesting. You get both kinds there. But, and, but in Edinburgh, I found out actually from a different guest. Um, you're a Game of Thrones fan, right? Yes. So did, have you ever, did you hear the episodes I'd done with David, uh, Weinsock out of Scotland? Um, I don't think so, but I'm adding that to my list. Yeah, so he um he wrote um this he's a castle historian and he wrote the book called uh Game of Thrones The North Remembers is I think the title of that. And it's he was watching Game of Thrones and said, This is all from Scottish folklore. Like a lot of this is from either Scottish folklore or actual Scottish events. And so he wrote this book to compare Scottish history to Game of Thrones events. And he's actually had um is it R. Martin, David R. Martin, who wrote Game of Thrones? Um, George, George, Martin. George Martin. Yeah, I almost said Dean Martin. And I'm like, no, that's the singer. That's the singer. <laughs> yeah. And so he actually has confirmed or, or he said, I do not deny that you've gotten this correct. So, oh wow. yeah, so it's a, it's a fast moving book. It's good. It comes with a neat map that you can follow and go to all the places. So anyway, um, but from him getting back to, you know, Japan, I learned that in Edinburgh, there is a large Japanese garden actually. Um, because they're, they're exchange cities, you know, they're sister cities. Yes. Yes. I didn't realize that to, to Tokyo, I think. So that's, so I, you know, I missed a Japanese garden when I was in Edinburgh, but you know, that is probably. <laughs> there are some in the U.S. I feel like there might be one in D.C. Oh, well, here yeah. I am. Yeah. Cause I know there's one down in like the West Palm Beach area here in Florida. Mm. Um, so the, I think there are Japanese gardens everywhere because every, every city might have like a sister city in Japan. Right. So, and, and, and the up. whole sister, and the whole sister cities concept is so interesting to me. And I didn't realize it was a thing. Um, just side note, last summer I was in Innsbruck, Austria mm-hmm. and apparently their sister city is New Orleans. So they were having like a jazz festival in Innsbruck, say, that Austria. That is a real pairing. Yeah, cool. I'm like, how? And I'm pretty sure I didn't dream it. I'm pretty sure it was real. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the sign for it. <laughs> That's awesome. So then, um, you know, if we, you know, I'm going to get us back on track now. So if we, if you were able to be in Japan tomorrow, where would you go? So part of me wants to go someplace new that I haven't seen before. And, um, I kind of want to head to Kanazawa, which is, renowned for its historic preservation and it has an incredible geisha and samurai district there. Oh wow. Um that's part of me that I want to go see something new, but another part of me wants to go back to Osaka and like eat all the food I didn't get to eat. <laughs> like that's just that's just to show you how amazing the food there is or how amazing the food is in Japan. So let's get back to some um We'll go geo nerd level on this. So are there ways to visualize Japan and identify regions by either geographical features or traditions? Like how do you break it up in your mind when thinking about planning a trip? Um, so I don't know if this is what other people do, but I'm just going to tell you the way I look at it. And just to keep things simple, I break up the different areas by what they're currently known for. And it's being very general when I do that. So, um, for example, I'll think Tokyo City, Hakone, nature, mm-hmm. um, Kyoto, like culture and history, Osaka, food and culture. 
So that's typically how I separate out the different cities in my head. But like I said, it's incredibly oversimplified because there's so much more to each area, but that's just, you know, the little file cabinets in my head. Now that's exactly what I need to know because I don't know anything so about Japan. So that's good. So then let's get to, you know, igniting the fire in the heart of the culinary critic. So how would you pitch them Japanese food? And we can just go straight to Osaka. Um, so I don't even know where to start with this question okay. because Japanese food is so, so varied. And I bring up Osaka because there is an area called Dotanbori, which is like this area that's, I don't know if you've, um, they have a really famous sign called the Glico man where he's like running um, on a sign. So okay. that, yeah, so that is something that's really well known, but they have a lot of food stalls and I'm a huge street food person. So um, oh, yeah, that's why too. I always travel with a bottle of Pepto-Bismol because I want to try the food and I don't want to like pay for it later just in case. Oh, but um, I feel like taking Pepto-Bismol is a punishment in itself. So <laughs> you get the pill form, you get the pill form that yes. way you're not tasting it. That's good. Um, but it's so varied, but even with the different kinds of food, you can expect the food quality to be really high. I mean, I don't know of one meal we had that wasn't good Mm. and they have food stall places in pretty much every city. And Kyoto has a really great one too, where you can just walk down the street and you can get Wagyu beef from like different stalls. And it's not like you just go to a special restaurant to eat that. Whereas here hmm. it's like, Oh, Wagyu beef, Kobe, Kobe beef. We're at a really nice restaurant or, you know, we're paying, um, you know, a, like a premium, premium. for Wagyu yep. beef. Like yep. that, you know, that is something common that they eat there. Um, everything from like the typical ramen and sushi mm-hmm. that people are used to, to things that, most Americans don't eat at a Japanese restaurant. It's, it's hard to describe how, but how fresh good the food and the freshness exactly. Yes. And the food experience itself can be so elevated um, and so different. So I'm going to give you one example of this ramen place we went to. Um, the ramen itself was delicious. Um, but you walk in, there's always a line. You walk in and they have something that looks like a vending machine. And no, you're not getting ramen from a vending machine, but you are ordering what you want from the vending machine. You pay the machine. Okay. And the machine spits out these little tickets of what you ordered. <laughs> then you go to a table and you put your tickets at the end of the table and the wait staff will come grab the tickets and bring out the food. Interesting. And it's you have the option of going to a separate area of the restaurant where there are individual stalls. So you don't have to talk to anyone. And there is like, so there's a stall and in the front, there's like a little, shade thing that the wait staff will open up to grab your ticket and then give you food. And then each stall has its own water dispenser. So you literally don't have to talk to anyone if you don't want to. And to me, that is like an introvert's dream. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. These are the stalls, the introvert's area and the extrovert's area. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I would just say if you're people going to Japan, just try the food. Um, it could be something completely different than what you're used to. Of course, they still have McDonald's and stuff, but, you know, try the different food, try the different 
um, try how different the quality is. Mm. And, um, you know, everyone always goes on Instagram to look at Instagram worthy food. There's an area in Tokyo called Harajuku where you can find all those treats that you see on Instagram, like the rainbow cotton candy, like mm. all the different kinds of, you know, ice creams and stuff. So the food itself, like I, I feel like if you need any more convincing on food, I, I really don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can find some pictures and if you have some, I'll, I'll put them out with the episode on Instagram. But, um, I, I just like the idea that there's, uh, it, it's in my mind, you know, having no experience, Japanese is a culture that varies art and it seems like that transfers into their food as well. That and I like so that. True. Yeah. One thing I forgot to bring up is even the food at their convenience stores, are amazing. Oh, like you go to a Seven Eleven and you can buy your lunch or dinner. We don't do that here because no. the food at Seven Eleven sucks. But you go to Japan, any other convenience stores, you go inside and they have high quality food. Okay, so if you're a foreigner, and by foreigner I mean someone, I, I shouldn't say that. If you are a global citizen not living in the United States, um, do not buy your food at a Seven Eleven. Don't do that. That is another overgeneralization, but I'll tell you, it's one that you should advise. <laughs> Except get a Slurpee. You can get a Slurpee. That's yeah, safe. drinks are okay, but if, like, don't get those hot dogs that are on that little... The roller. Rollers. <laughs> uh, yes, hold out, hold out. Find a Wawa or a Sheets or something else. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so then... Okay, food is amazing. And then just for people who, you know, think about, you know, sushi and they might say, I, I don't enjoy raw things. There are cooked options, many cooked options. They're not like they, people will find something to eat. Exactly. Okay, good. All right. So then let's talk about transportation. Like how do you typically handle it for your clients and how I heard you say you were going to the bus station, um, but it does sound like there's, you know, quite a lot of people and that that might be overwhelming to some people like myself included. So how do you handle that for your clients? So to get from big city to big city, um, obviously the bullet train will be your best option. Mm. Um, many people they are going to try and book the rail pass and it, there's a special rate for tourists who are trying to get the rail pass, but depending on what your itinerary is and how much traveling you're going to do, that may not always be the most economical option. Mm. So sometimes it might be cheaper to book individual tickets versus getting the entire pass. Mm -hmm. um, and within the cities, they have really great public transportation. Okay. Um, so it differs between cities. In Tokyo and Osaka, for example, their train system is great. They, especially in Tokyo, I mean, you can get anywhere on trains. Um, in Kyoto, that is a different case because their bus system is more built out than their actual train system. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, this is another thing to figure out in Kyoto. But the, the great thing about Kyoto is that their taxis are really cheap. So, you know, you could just honestly take a taxi from one place to another instead of trying to figure out their bus system. Okay, great. Because um, I... I think I took like two buses in the wrong direction. And I'm like, this is not right. And I had to get out. Um, so sometimes taxis are going to be more convenient for you, um, especially if the price is so low. Um, for public transportation, 
in all of Japan, they have these cards. I guess you can see it like an oyster card in London where you can top it up at the stations and you just tap in and tap out of those um, the metro、yeah. stations everywhere you go. You can also use it at the bus、um, stations in Kyoto. So any public transportation, you can typically use this card.、Um, and whenever I book transportation for my clients, we pre-book all the bullet trains. Um, and I include for them one of those refillable cards and they're pre-filled with a certain amount on there.、Okay, so、perfect. when they first get, yeah, when they first get to Japan, they have stuff, um, to use to get around, but they can always top up if they need to. Um, and with all the trips I plan, they will get like a booklet that tells them how to get from one place to another, depending okay, on、great. their itinerary. So for example, if they have a restaurant reservation somewhere, I will let them know from your hotel to this restaurant, this is the train you take. This is the line you take. You get out at the station and you take this exit out、mm. of the metro station because those stations are huge. <laughs> oh my gosh. So some people listening are travel agents and some people are just, you know, are, are travelers.、Mm. And I mean, this, that right there to me, cause that is one of my panic points is being lost. That to me is like, oh my gosh. Good reason to use a travel advisor because yeah, getting pre cell phones, me、mm-hmm. from driving from Pennsylvania, driving as a new driver, getting lost in New Jersey, nightmare. So, you know, just thinking about being lost is such a panic point for me that that is, I mean, that's a <laughs> yeah, for sure. Especially in a country where the language is so different and the culture is a lot different than what people, most people are used to. So, Having someone there who can help them and having, you know, there's, I also have partners who are on the ground partners who are there 24-7 if something should happen.、Mm. So having that extra support really helps people feel more confident、mm. in、yep. their vacation. Awesome. And then is there anything else you want to talk about with transportation before I ask you my next question?、Um, I think I covered, unless there's a question that you wanted to ask about transportation. I think that's basically it. Okay. No, it sounds good. So then, okay. No, I do have a question. Do you remember this、uh, YouTube video that went around、um, with a guy like the, like they're basically like, I don't know, the short, the shoehorn people of the train world. That was not in Japan, right? That was in China where they're just crushing people into the train. Oh, that was Tokyo.、Oh, that was Tokyo. Yeah. So <laughs> how, how do you avoid that situation? <laughs> Everything is on time in Japan.、Okay. Um, you avoid that by not traveling during rush hour. Okay. It's just like rush hour here with cars on highways. Like you avoid going on the highway if you can at like 5 p.m. You know, it's a similar thing when you are traveling in Japan. If you don't need to be somewhere by a certain time, then、mm-hmm. Try and avoid those rush hour times. But the thing is, it looks very chaotic, but everything is so orderly. There's、yeah. an order to everything. There's an order to get on the,、um, the train. There's an order to get off.、Oh. And you can, you, for me, I always stress looking around you and seeing what other people are doing because、yes. you, You don't want to be the one who, when the door opens, like you jump right in before like people have a chance to get out of the car. Right. Because that's just not how they do it there.、Um, everything、yeah. is orderly, even though it looks like he's squishing everyone in there. It's, I, it's done in a very courteous manner. <laughs> 
I, I watched that like 20 times <laughs> and I was like, kids, kids, come check this out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll let you know that when I was there, I did not have that experience at all. So Good. if that's something you're worried about, Good. you're, it's not necessarily what you're going to be seeing when you're there. Okay. But if you do send us a video. <laughs> <laughs> so then what about nightlife? I imagine there's actually quite a lot to do in the cities in the evening or even beyond the evening. Um, so just to be perfectly honest with you, when I was there in Japan, nightlife was not something that I was looking out for, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because I was just so tired every day and I just wanted to go to bed. Um, mm-hmm. but the few nights that we did go out, um, go out later, I was really surprised by how early Tokyo closed. Oh, of course, there are like some clubs here and there, um, that are still open, but it's not like the entire city's open. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, I feel like it's better nightlife in Osaka. Um, there's Universal Studios in Osaka, and there are a lot of Americans who are living in Osaka to work there, even temporarily. So I feel like there's like a bigger bar scene there, and things feel like they were open later at night. Okay, good to know. Yeah, it's interesting because like Oxford's a, a city. I mean, it's not a huge city, but they're mm-hmm. the same. Things close down pretty early there. So... And that was just one. I, I mean, the stores are still open till eight, but everybody exits about five. So I'm like, that's what I'm going yeah. down. I'm going yep. in at five. Yeah. <laughs> so now let's talk potty talk. I mean, literally, what is up with Japanese toilets? The bathroom situation in yeah. Japan is so advanced. It took me a minute to fully grasp it. So <laughs> first off, when we landed in Japan, I'm just going to do a side note here. Customs and immigration is usually a very high stress situation for me when I go to a new country because I don't know what to expect, mm-hmm. especially a country where I don't know the language. So getting out of customs and immigration, like getting off the plane, going into that, that space, we were greeted by the most respectful and courteous Japanese people who were like bowing to us and directing us which line to go in. Oh, wow. There was no stress whatsoever. Oh, wow. Zero stress. Um, so that being my first experience in Japan made me feel a lot more comfortable. So going back to bathrooms, we had our bags and we were waiting for um, our party to all get together to take our transfer to the hotel. So we're like, okay, let's just go and use the restroom now before we head on the road. You walk to the restroom. They have these screens on the wall to show you which stalls are open and which stalls are occupied. They use red and green lights so okay. you know which one to go to. Clear. So there's yep. none of the like, oh, is someone in here? Is someone in there looking down underneath the stall? None of that. They already have little sensors there to let you know. And it's by when the door is locked. Okay, I got so it. So you know which stalls are occupied and which ones are open. And I'm sure you want to know about the toilet seats and the built-in bidets. These built-in bidets, (laughs) (laughs) they are adjustable. So um, you can also choose like the water strength, the water temperature. But the thing that people don't know is that those seats also have warmers. I don't remember my bum touching a cold toilet seat when I was in Japan that because is, they're all warm. That's interesting because like if you were to get a warm toilet seat here, you'd be like, Mm-mm-mm. no, <laughs> because someone's yeah. been sitting there too long. Well, not, I, I guess, yeah, but if you're going to like a whole new, like you, no one was there before you and it's cold and you sit down, like you get that shock of like, oh my God, I'm sitting on ice. Yes. Um, 
but it's like a pleasant experience. And, um, you know, there are so many buttons for you to press. And so like, it's something where you have to, it's very self-explanatory. I think for me, cause some of them have, um, like little graphics on it to show you like, Hey, this is for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, for people who are a little shy when they go to the bathroom, they have a sound effect of running water that you can play <laughs> while you're like doing that your business. That is so thoughtful. Because what they found was, um, especially for women, Japanese women, they would be flushing the toilet oh. like constantly. Yes. And so they're like, we're wasting so much water. Why don't we just put a button that masks the sound? Yes. That's genius. I mean, come on. It is. Yeah, it is. So then, um, okay. So that's, that's where we'll leave Japanese toilets that you can go in and play with. I hope I answered all your questions. <laughs> yeah. I just, I've just heard that there's so, there's so many buttons that there's, you know, temperature and yeah. scent options and all kinds of things. It's just yeah. very interesting. I might just go for the toilets. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so then what about culturally? Are there tips or faux pas that you would give Americans heads up on? as far as different cultural traditions? My biggest tip would be to just be respectful and observant of what's around you. I mean, everyone knows that Japan has a lot of rules. Um, and if you just look around you, you'll know what the right thing to do is. And it's not saying that they're going to kick you out of the country if you do something wrong, but they're very helpful too. And they're very forgiving. Um, Another tip is if you see a pile of shoes outside of a building, that means you probably have to take off your shoes to go inside. And mm-hmm. they are huge on um, keeping dirty shoes outside. Mm-hmm. There is one really nice um, sushi restaurant that we went to. Um, they only do three seatings a night and each seating has 12 people. And to go in there, you need to remove your shoes to go eat at the table. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, look around you, see what other people are doing, um, and just know that Japanese people are always willing to help if you're, if you, if you need it. And as part of what I do when I plan for clients, um, there's, there are these notes that I put in there about here's how you wear your robe at the Ryokan because you can walk around with robes, right. <laughs> um, at the, at the hotel, um, and if you fold it one way, it's the correct way. And if you fold it the wrong way, like that's what they, that's how they put the robes on dead bodies oh. for funerals. So okay. um, as part of the package that I give to my clients, it includes those little things for yeah. you to be aware of. Wow. That is a, a really fantastic tip that uh, I would never think about. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, probably naturally doing it the wrong way because I'm left-handed and we do things backwards. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So then, sorry, um, any more on traditions? Um, I think those are the biggest overarching tips okay. because there are so many. Um, but if you just keep in mind that you need to be respectful and observant, you'll be fine. Yeah. 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 I'm always saying to people, just be, just be a good guest. Mm-hmm. Just, exactly. See what, look, exactly. See what other people are doing. And if you don't know, ask. So, yeah. Okay. So then, um, what was the most unusual or surprising thing that you've experienced about Japan? You always hear about how Japan is organized, efficient, and clean, but it's another thing to actually experience it for yourself. 
I mean, seeing it in person versus hearing about it, I was just like, there's no way it could be this organized and clean. In Tokyo, I didn't see a piece of garbage on the ground. Wow. And it's a huge city. And that's saying something. Is it people being, you know, this is like they just have this mindset to not leave garbage out? Or is there like a secret army of garbage men? I think it's a mix. So one of the things might be people just have respect for where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think every job is admired in Japan whether you are like a big stockbroker or you are someone who cleans the street, because there are people who are just picking up garbage, like sweeping the streets. They're not noticeable, but people still see them as respectable people. Whereas in other countries, they might not see that as like a good job. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that our garbage men get that rap, but you know what? Those garbage men are making bank. So good for them. So I think it's that like, you know, combination of things. Oh my goodness. That reminds me one big faux pas in Japan is to eat in the train or eat while you're walking. That's a big no. You can't do that. That is good to know. But you're going to get stares because it's very rude. Okay. That's good to know because I mean, that is my mom life. Like, you know, if it's hot and I have a chance to eat it, I I Mm -hmm. mean, I'd look like an animal. Yeah. Well, if you're going to eat something, you need to stay in one place and eat it. And I think that also plays into why there's not a lot of garbage and why it's not so dirty. Because if you're walking around and eating, a lot of folks might just throw their stuff on the ground and not, you know, look for a trash can to pick it up. Yes. So, um, that's 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 definitely one thing that I wanted to point out because I know as Americans, we do that a lot. We're like walking and eating. I mean, look at the, um, the food festival at Epcot, that's like yeah. literally walking and eating. <laughs> the purpose of which is to eat and walk. That's yeah. right. And drink around the world. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so then um, what about language barriers? There is still a bit of a language barrier, um, but it's not impossible to manage um, with things like Google Translate. And the fact that like a lot of people in larger cities like Tokyo know um, some bit of English. So you can get around and you can figure things out. I mean, there's a universal language of like pointing and smiling. <laughs> so um, now because of the Olympics, though, they have included more oh, mm-hmm. English on signage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the country is also trying to, I mean, there's a push for more international travelers to visit Japan versus people on the Asian continent visiting Japan. So there's more English around now for people to get around. Okay. Also, if you've never played with Google Translate, just download it to your phone and, you know, hold it up to some foreign text and see what it comes up with. It's incredible. Yes, we did that so much, Megan. Like- it's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. And I have a pretty yeah. good grasp on German. Like, please, no one just side, you know, don't like, you know, cold cock me with German and expect me to answer you. But I can usually read it and get it. But that is just incredible. We were using it in Germany because anyway, there you go. So then, you know, what level of planning is needed to visit Japan? Is this someplace you can wing it? Or do you think that you need to plan most of your itinerary in advance? If you had unlimited time and just wanted to explore at your own pace, there's nothing that you must see, then going there without a plan, I suppose it's doable. 
Um, but for most people who are going to Japan, I wouldn't recommend winging it at all, mm. especially with the language barrier. And mm-hmm. I think based on everything that I've shared today, you can see why winging it would not be a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are many things that do require advanced reservations. And if there's something that you really want to experience, that needs to be planned out in advance and the tickets need to be, you know, purchased in advance. So one of the most popular things for, um, some of my millennial clients is the Ghibli Museum. Okay. Um, not I don't know familiar. if you've ever heard. No. Um, so it's the museum that has like, um, Hiao Miyazaki, uh, Hiao Miyazaki's, um, all the movies that he animated. So like oh, okay. My Neighbor Totoro, um, I think it's like Kiki, like the witch that delivers things, Spirited Away. So all those movies are from that studio and there's a museum there and they only let a hundred people in a day. Oh wow. And these movies are well known all over the world. So you better get tickets. Yeah. So you need to get tickets. I had a couple of clients who are like, this is like our must see. And they don't release tickets until like three months beforehand. So um, my clients were so nervous. They were like constantly emailing me and I'm just like, don't worry. We've got this. We've got this. Um, So they got their tickets. So like, so there are things that, you really need to think about in advance. And for someplace like Japan, when there's so much to see, it's really helpful to have something already planned out. So you make sure you don't miss anything. Yeah. And plus, and Teresa's going to write you like excellent directions on how to get there. So <laughs> hello. And Google maps. <laughs> That's I mean, right. Google maps was so helpful. So then, um, you know, just to talk like generalizations of post pandemic world, I think that there's going to be tickets required for just about darn near everything just to space people out, mm-hmm. um, which I think is actually a really good idea. So I, I get it. And I think that it's a good idea. Okay. So cool. Uh, what about, um, you know, what else am I missing? Uh, what, you know, this is my introduction to Japan and I guess maybe other people listening. So tell me what I've not asked. I feel like if you aren't inspired to go to Japan right now, um, I guess you can like reach out to me and ask specific questions, but I'm okay. not sure what else would, you know, really, really get you there. Um, it's easy, I guess, to stay connected in Japan if you want to, but it's okay. also easy to completely disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place where there's, so many things to do, see, eat. Um, and I feel like everyone who goes there, there's something for everyone in the group to see and do. Mm, it sounds good. So then, um, you know, to close out this podcast, uh, are you available for, uh, for two groups of people? One is for travelers. Are you taking new clients? And the second question is, um, can travel agents get in touch with you about your ideas or if they're stumped or if they're asked to plan an itinerary? Sure. Um, travel agents, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I think we'll be sharing my, um, social media handles later on. Um, but for new clients, if they are planning on going to Japan, yes, I would love to help you plan something to to Japan. I love Japan so much. Um, and I always really enjoy being able to help people put a trip together, um, and take out the stress of planning a trip like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is for me. It's the stress. Mm-hmm. 
not that I don't like to go out and explore new things, but it is it literally it's the getting lost. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So then um now let's talk just one last time. How can people reach you? They can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Get Out Custom Travels. Um, if you're a consumer uh, and looking to travel to Japan, you can fill out my inquiry form on my website, which is GetOutCustomTravels.com. Awesome. So well, thanks for joining me on the podcast again. I appreciate your time. Yeah, this was really fun. I can talk about Japan all day. Well, maybe we'll roll into you know more regional or specific areas in another episode. That would be interesting to me. So... And I think other people, I hope anyway. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I'm going to record it, I'm putting it out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, great. Well, this is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying thank you for listening. And please take a moment to subscribe and review the podcast wherever you're listening from. And also the Tin Lounge, of course. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Teresa. Bye. Thank you, Megan. This is a Trav Market Media Podcast. Discover more travel industry-oriented podcasts at travmarketmedia.com and be sure to subscribe.